I'm Kyle Bryant, and I am the college minister here at Alberta Baptist Church, and I'm so excited to be up here today and get to do something I don't normally get to do very much. And uh, last week I got to lead, in some ways, behind a guitar, but today I have no guitar to hide behind, but I have a podium instead. But I'm very excited today to be with you and uh, be able to share about something that is so dear uh, to my heart. And uh, as I'm talking here at the beginning, if you want to go ahead and get in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, we're going to be there today in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It'll take us a little while to get there, so uh, no hurry. Um, but I'm so uh, thankful to my pastors, uh, Colby and Keith, to give me the, uh, the privilege to be able to champion something I believe in so much. And uh, many of my colleagues in college ministry uh, would probably do a lot of things to get the chance to stand before their church and to talk about uh, the importance of the campus and the importance of college ministry. And so I'm really thankful. Thank you to my pastors to let me do this today. And I'm, I'm very excited uh, about this. But as we get going, I want to pray for us, if we can do that, and then uh, we'll begin to dive in, into this today. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your grace that you've shown us. Father, we thank you for the amazing privileges that we have to, to live in a city like Tuscaloosa or to live down the street from a campus where there are so many opportunities to make much of Christ. Uh, like we heard a minute ago where we, we literally are down the street from the nation's. We have the chance to make your name known to them. And Lord, and I pray this morning as we, uh, as we look at your word and as I share some of my heart about why the campus matters or that you would, uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, impress on us the importance and the, the great opportunity that we have as Alberta Baptist Church uh, to make Christ known on the campus of UA, on the campus of Stillman on the campus of Shelton State, Lord, and, and why this matters so much, and really how is it, this isn't just a, uh, a college minister thing, it's not just a college student thing, Lord, this is a body of Christ thing that we have the chance to, uh, to lean into as a church. We pray all that in Christ's name, amen. So this morning, uh, as you maybe heard in the welcome, you may have heard about me speaking on college ministry today, and you thought, well, that's going to be different and fun. But, you know, I'll kind of let Kyle do his thing and talk about why the campus matters. But you may be sitting out there in your seat today thinking, you know what, that's good, but this isn't really for me. You know, I'm, uh, this is not my calling. You know, I'm, I'm too old. You know, I'm too young. I'm, you know, I'm not cool enough to connect with college students. So you may have a, a lot of reasons that you think that, yeah, I'm going to kind of mentally check out today uh, from this message. Uh, but if I can be honest, I'll go ahead and tell you, if you're that person in the seat, I'm aiming at you today. I'm not aiming, but I'm talking to you today. And the reason is this, is I want to make a case for something that I truly believe in this morning, and that's investing in the lives of college students. The semester starts in just a few days, and I want to champion this cause for you. Um, But I want to make more than just a case for what I do as a college minister. This isn't about me this morning. This is about us as a body. And the reason I want to champion this is because I believe that we all have a role. Every person here, every person in this room that is a member of the body of Christ has a role to play in the strategic mission of the campus and just the great mission field that it is. And so you, yes, you, the person in the row who's thinking, you know what, this isn't for me. Yeah, it's, it's for you. And it's, you even have a role to play in our ministry to campus. And you have within you, as a believer in Christ, the capacity to make a life-changing difference in the life of a college student. And I want to make that case for you. And, and I say all that because of this. And this is the first thing you're going to see in your outline this morning is, I believe this is all my heart. I believe that the college campus is the most strategic mission field in the world. 
yet in the world. And why do I say that? Because of the sight and because of the situation of students. Now, you may hear that and you may think, Kyle, that's, that's kind of extreme. Like, have you not read much about missions lately? I have. I took a class in seminary this summer on missions, actually. Um, but you may think, okay, what about the unreached people groups of the world? And what about the global cities of the world? What about the 1040 window? Uh, what about the, uh, the next generations of young people, of kids that we have to invest in, even here in our church and in our, in our country? You know, surely one of those is the most strategic mission field. I mean, surely one of those places is you know, maybe more important than a place like the University of Alabama or Shelton State Community College or Stillman University. You know, surely that's the case. Well, I want to go ahead and say I believe that all those mission fields I mentioned are incredibly important. They're a big deal. And we should be investing significant time and significant resources in those things. But I think there's good reason to say that statement on the screen that the college campus is the most strategic mission field. And I want to give you three factors and three reasons I believe that's the case. And they all start with W because we're Baptists and we like alliteration. And the first is this. It's who is there. Okay, think, think about who is there. First off, studies show that about the top 1% of students and really academics in the world occurs in the college campus. And so if the top 1% of students are on the college campus, that means this. The people who are on the college campus now are the future leaders of our country. And they're the future leaders of our world. You may understand that, but get this. This is a sobering thing, is that college students then, or now, college students are actually the least religious group in our country. They're the least religious group in our country. I don't want to overwhelm you with statistics, but give you a few thoughts here. The culture of the college campus today, yes, even in Alabama, is actually becoming rapidly more agnostic and more atheistic. Studies show that about 70% of high school students, when they graduate and go off to a university, will walk away from the church. And I don't think it's because they plan, they don't put in their calendar, you know, week two of college, leave the church and never come back till I have kids. No, they don't plan that. The reason is because the modern campus is so secular that the current almost just pushes them away from the church. I'm not a doomsday person. Obviously, I believe very hard, very strongly in faith on campus, but that's just a, a, a true statement. Another thing is this, about 20% of college students, only about 20% of students, attend a religious service every week, and only about half of students even call themselves religious. Now, more would call themselves spiritual, but that's a different conversation. Uh, but even at UA alone, uh, at UA, it's actually now 52 to 53% uh, out of state. And so the majority of students at UA are not from Alabama anymore. And that actually changes the culture of that campus. A lot of my current UA students can definitely agree with that. But even helping out with moving a couple of days ago, uh, I met students from New Hampshire, uh, Philadelphia, Chicago, and uh, somewhere in California, I want to say. Just, I, I didn't meet any students from Alabama, actually, except for maybe one from Huntsville. <laughs> and that was for move-in day. And that actually changes the, the culture some because although we're in the Bible Belt uh, the Bible Belt is not the culture on the UA campus. And I would dare say it's not the case even other places uh, around our state as well. It, it's different. Because in other places in our country, in the Northeast and the Northwest, there's very much a post-Christian culture that's taking place. And that really is coming to us here. So although we're in Tuscaloosa, we have a really unique position as a church to make an impact on our country just right down the road. But even more than that, you heard a second ago about international students, and I love the stuff that Becky Roach shared, and I'll, I'll actually give her a little bit more credit here with some uh, statistics to kind of back it up, because I looked up some things to, for this sermon, and there actually are over 1,500 international students that are on our campus right now at UA. Over 800 of those are from China, 
Over 90 are from Saudi Arabia, and over 50 are from India. And overall, there are over 77 countries and territories that are represented at UA alone in this city, which is pretty amazing. And many of the students come to study things like um, finance, accounting, engineering, and business. And they're going to be trained to go back home to be the future leaders in their country. And so influencing and ministering to those students for Christ is going to have not just a local impact, but a global impact. And also, some of these students are from places where we can't even send missionaries as quote-unquote missionaries. You can't really go to Saudi Arabia too many times and walk and say, I'm a Christian missionary here to share the gospel. It doesn't quite work that way. But yet we have the nations literally, people even who might even be from unreached people groups who haven't even heard the gospel, literally down the street. We can share the gospel with the nations without even leaving the county. And it's an amazing opportunity. So I want to encourage you to be a part of Tuscaloosa International Friends with that. But more than that, we have who students are. But think about when, our second W, when students are there. Some of the most important life decisions a person makes happen in their college age time. Things about their career, their marriage, and their life habits. Uh, studies show that there are two, the two most important developmental windows in a person's life are between the ages of 0 to 5 and 18 to 25. Some uh, even say that the second most formational time in a person's life happens between high school graduation and Christmas of their freshman year. So that means two things. That means, first off, parents of young kids in here, like the the habits you set in your kids' lives are going to have an impact on their whole life. So do well at parenting, when parenting. That's an important deal. But also, just as importantly, uh, the patterns set and the decisions that a young person makes in college are going to affect the rest of their life. I've heard it said this way, that the four years of college affect the 60 years afterward. So we have a a big opportunity in college students' lives. And even the the community and the culture of a college campus is prime time for discipleship. Uh, Students are living, for the most part, in a lot closer proximity to each other than they will when they graduate. They go off and get jobs and they move into maybe a typical neighborhood unless you're in Essex Square like me and I live around 30 of my church friends. Um, But the most college students uh, live in a lot closer proximity to each other. And so that makes it a prime time for discipleship and a prime time for modeling biblical, biblical community. And I've seen that play out over and over again in my time in college ministry where students are just so influenced by modeling or seeing a biblical community, the relationships they develop, and the Lord uses those avenues as great ways to change them and make them more like Christ and really to bring many of them to faith in Jesus. But even the third W, think about where the campus is. I don't mean geographically. We know it's down the street, about a mile away, which can I say I'm really excited that the bridge is open and I can tell students now that, hey, we're down the street over the bridge. You don't have to Magellan your way to our church anymore. But, um, but think about where the campus is. Ideas happen on a college campus. Uh, students are living and learning at the crossroads of ideas that are ultimately, they're going to shape the future of our country and of the world. Uh, what students believe, value, and esteem as they leave college is going to influence organizations, institutions, and cultures for generations to come. Pastor Tim Keller, who's in New York City, has said it this way, if you're on a college campus, you're on the culture's cutting edge. He said that the college campus is our best leadership development pipeline because by exposing people to the cutting edge of culture where they have to deal with the modern mindset or they have to deal with non-Christians is, in Keller's opinion, the best way to develop our future pastors and to develop our future church leaders. Now, just like Athens in Paul's day, the modern campus <clears throat> excuse me, is a marketplace for new ideas. As we reach college students, we're encountering the latest ideas in culture. And honestly, the culture of a college campus is probably a couple of decades ahead of the rest of the country. 
And so as we minister to college students, we're actually learning what's down the pipe, so to say, in terms of ministry in the future. So in many ways, this statement is true. As the campus goes, so goes the rest of society. As the campus goes, so goes the rest of society. And so if we want to impact the future of our country and even the world, we should invest in college students. We should invest in the campus because it makes a lasting impact. So these who, when, and where factors make today's college students the most influential shapers of tomorrow. And I really believe that. And so to say that we can't afford and I don't have time to connect with the campus is to say uh, the same thing as that you want to have a nice, secure retirement account when you retire, but yet never making a single contribution to your 401k. This doesn't make any sense. And so if you want to influence the future of our country and the world for Christ, we have to make an investment in college students. So there's my 10-minute ministry minute for you right there this morning about the campus. But with all that said, so what do we do? What do we do if we want to really reach out to the most strategic mission field in the world? Well, that's why I got you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. And so here we are finally getting to it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 17, I believe that Paul gives us some great insight to really ministry in general, but even specifically ministry when it comes to college students. And so let's read 1 Corinthians 3, these 12 verses, 5 through 17, and then I want to really point out three specific things I think are very helpful for us. Let's read together. It's going to be on the screen as well. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you're God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple." There's a lot in there you may be thinking about, and you may have a lot of questions about a couple of things in those passages. I get that, um, and I would love to talk to you more about that later. <laughs> but uh, I really want to point out three main things from that that I think are very important for us today. But to give you context of what Paul's talking about in this book, um, really what Paul is addressing primarily is divisions in the church at Corinth. Uh, we learned in chapter 1 of the book that some people in the church claim to follow Paul, Well, others claim to follow Apollos, others claim to follow Peter, and then you had your super Christians in the room who said, I just follow Jesus. I don't follow Paul or anybody else like that. They just kind of Jesus juked everybody. Um, But there were divisions in the church, and each of these factions looked to to a different church leader for their inspiration and for their allegiance. And they let those faction identities divide them and keep them from being a healthy body of Christ who were united by what Christ had done for them. And we can get more into that, but that's a different sermon for a different day. But that's the context we're looking at here. But I believe in this text, we see Paul laying aside these divisions and instead pointing out how these church leaders are simply servants of Christ. 
And there's nothing special about any of these leaders, but they are simply being faithful to invest their lives where God has led them. They simply planted seeds and they watered it, but God gave the growth. Paul says one person laid a foundation, another is building on it, but the building is God's and he's the one who builds up his church with spiritual stones. And so based on that text, I want to give you three suggestions that are not alliterated, sorry, um, but three suggestions, sorry, Zach Pratt, um, about how we can do ministry to college students and how we can invest in college students. And there are three things, very simple. We invest, we build a foundation, and we trust the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we invest, we build a foundation, and we trust the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what we do first. We, we have an investment mentality like I say in your outline. We have an investment mentality. Well, how do we view that investment? We, we view it like Paul did with the Corinthians. We plant and we water, but we trust God for the growth. I know I'm not a farmer. <laughs> I've never really grown anything but a beard. And so I, I can't really say that I know much about farming uh, too much, but I get the idea that it can kind of be a hard job in a couple of ways. And there's, uh, there's a lot of work that gets ready that goes into uh, planting crops and then watering them and taking care of them before you actually harvest um, it takes a lot of patience, I'm sure. And I went to the farmer's market a couple of days ago, and I really kind of encountered firsthand like the, you know, the, the benefits and the kind of final product these guys do. But man, there's a lot of work that goes into that. But um, I'm sure there's been many a farmer who's kind of wondered if all their work really is even worth it. I'm sure there's many a hot day where they're out there in the fields, you know, laboring away, sweating away, wondering, is this even worth it? Is this crop even going to produce a good harvest this year? You know, what am I doing out here? And it's not like in farming you see... Uh, immediate results. You don't plant something and the next day it's just kind of there, right? It takes, it takes time for it to develop and for it to grow. And to be honest, ministry can feel like that too. You know, many times we feel like we're breaking our back. Uh, we're just pouring out sweat or we're pouring our lives into other people. We're pointing them to Christ. We're pouring biblical truth into them. We're praying for them. We're encouraging them. We're being there for them. But yet it doesn't seem like anything's changing. We spend so much time investing in them, but yet it just feels like nothing's happening. We don't see anything. And I can be honest, sometimes ministry to college students can feel the same way. Not all the time. Uh, many times I've seen God do amazing things in the lives of students very quickly. But sometimes I ask that question, is this even worth it? Is it worth it for me to meet with a student every week and, and talk about spiritual things for them only to seem like they're just not really that interested? Uh, and sometimes we can just wonder, are we really make, even making a difference in the lives of, even if, if it's not a student, even just a person at all? But it is worth it because it's an investment. And that's why we have to have an investment mentality because an investor, not that I've done much investing either, but from what I hear, an investor, he takes the long view. He looks at those small and seemingly insignificant contributions and looks toward the future impact it's going to have. And that's what we have to do when it comes to ministry with students. Because here, here's one of the, the hard parts about college ministry, because it is hard, is that we only get students for a couple of years. You know, um, most students are here for, you know, two to six years, maybe seven or eight, you know, depending on grad school or, you know, how school goes with them. But, um, but even, but here's the thing, our best students end up leaving us. The ones that we get to spend four or five years with, the ones that we've spent constant hours pouring truth into them, they eventually graduate, hopefully, and, um, and they get a job and they maybe move somewhere else and we lose them. And so we're, we're constantly reloading when it comes to college students. And that can be very difficult. But the thing is, we have to realize that while we might not see that investment in them carry out for 20 years, like we might at a church where we have just adults here for a long time, with college students, it's an investment that's going to make an impact all over our country. So is it worth it? Well, it absolutely is. 
because the impact we have on these young people is going to last for the rest of their lives. And while we have some fantastic students that I love here, we've got to realize that every student we have that comes to our church at any point has a trajectory. They have a future. So we want to have a part and play a part in influencing that future and investing in them. But the second thing we see is we want to have a builder mentality. Uh, we want to view our ministry to students as a building of the foundation for their future. And now I have a little bit more experience in building. I'm not a construction worker necessarily, um, but I did work as a, as a construction inspector for a couple of years back before I moved uh, back to Tuscaloosa. And I mainly worked on, on road projects. I mainly did, this is, sounds not very exciting, but I did quality control work for uh, asphalt paving for small roads in Mobile County. And one thing I learned in the process of building roads is that the foundation of a road is very important. And I have a couple of civil engineers in here, so I have to be very careful how I say things because they'll correct me after the service. Um, but most asphalt roads, you didn't really care to know this this morning, but most asphalt roads have a, either a sand clay or a limestone base that goes down under those roads. And I learned it's very, very important to get that thing right before you try to lay asphalt on it because everyone's familiar with potholes and we hate those things. And so if you get the foundation right first, when it comes time to put the asphalt on it, it goes a lot easier and the road lasts a lot longer and you have a lot less issues with it. But if you rush the building of the foundation or if you try to build it on something that's not good material, you're going to have a lot of problems with your road. And so in the same way, we can think about our ministry to students as building a foundation for them. But the unfortunate thing is, and you're probably familiar with this, is many students are building a foundation for their life on something that just doesn't last. Uh, many students are building a foundation of their lives, like what Paul says in, in verses around, around verse 10, where he says they're building on a foundation of wood, hay, and straw. You don't build a house on a foundation of wood or hay or straw. You don't build the foundation of a road on wood, hay, or straw, because those things don't last. They, they, they break down over time. But yet, many students are building their foundation and really their, their very identity on things like academic success. Or they're building their foundation on things like a successful career or a future marriage or something like that. Even right now, many students are building their identity and their foundation on the pursuit of whatever feels good at the time. Or maybe just this appearance of having their whole life together. Or maybe trying to be the most involved person on campus or anything like that. They're trying to set their life and their foundation on something that just won't last. And on a college campus, there are so many little G gods that are competing for the affection of students. They're, they're competing for that foundation. And so what we need to do as a church and as Christians is to hold out the truth. Hold out the hope of the true foundation of Christ. Who is the only foundation that can stand the test of time and really stand the test of eternity. And so we also need to remember that for the, during the college years, those are foundational times for young people in general. It's literally them building a foundation for the future. So if we want to improve future marriages in the church, we need to help students work on their marriages now before they have one. If we want to work on and, and grow a discipling culture in our country and grow a discipling culture in our church, we need to be active in discipling young people now and modeling to them how to multiply themselves by training up more disciple makers then we need to be willing to let them go and move on somewhere else to continue to make disciples where they're at and where God places them. If we want to be a church that really champions the mission of God and really sees more and more people leave our church to go be missionaries all over the world, then we need to hold before our students' eyes the mission of God in this world and challenge them to be the generation that sees the gospel of Christ be proclaimed to every people group uh, in the world. Because historically, college students actually have been 
the mobilizers and the catalysts for revival and world missions. All it takes is a quick Google search to, for look, the history of world missions to see that so many college campuses have been the pivot point for revival and world missions. And I believe that's still the case today. So don't discount students, but invest your lives in them because you're helping them build a foundation for the future and build a foundation for really the rest of the world in many ways. But the third thing we see is this. So we, we know we should have an investment mentality. We know we should have a builder mentality. But how do we do that? The third thing I gave you there is this. We have to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit because of this. And get this, this is important. Because every believer, every believer has the capacity inside of them to be used by God to make a life-changing impact on the lives of others, including college students. Because think about this. In verse 16, Paul reminds the believers in the Corinthian church that they are God's temple, that God's spirit dwells inside of them. So have you thought before that God's spirit literally lives inside of you, that God's spirit dwells in you? The power that created the universe and everything in existence lives inside of you. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. But yet so many times in our Christian experience, we don't feel like we have that power. Because a lot of times we're trying to do things in our own strength. We're relying on the flesh instead of the power of the spirit. And so as we seek to make disciples in the world even, we're even given access to that power. We're given access to be a witness for Christ. So that's good news for us when it comes to facing a pretty big task of, being, of making disciples of the whole world and also going and taking the gospel to the campus. And also consider that Christ told us and told his disciples that apart from him, you can do nothing. So if we really want to make an impact for Christ, we have to realize that we can't do it in our own strength, but we have to rely on the spirit. So while we want to work hard in investing in students and really everyone, we got to realize that, like Paul says, God is the one that gives the growth. Because we, we plant, we water, but in the end, God is the only source of true life change. And we can manufacture a lot of outward evidence of that, but in the end, only the Spirit can truly change people. So we want to help them build a foundation, invest in them, but trust God with the results. So let's sow the gospel broadly, and let's take risks investing our lives in students. And let's not be intimidated, and let's not be indifferent to students, but let this Holy Spirit guide us. Because I know many adults not just in this church, but all over, that, that sometimes feel intimidated by college students. They think, well, I, I can't connect with them. Or they, they know more than I do. Or they're, they're more spiritual than me. They have more biblical knowledge. You know, they're smarter than me. They're at a big university, that kind of thing. They're just, they're intimidated in some kind of ways. But to be honest, just from my encounter with students, many students are really craving relationships with older people who are almost like Sherpas that have gone up the, the Everest of life a little bit before them, who are offering to kind of help them as they guide themselves and and guide them through life and begin to make large life decisions. They're, they're looking for those older relationships that can help mentor them. But also realize that if you're a believer in Christ, if the spirit lives in you, then you have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And that you have within you the spirit of God that gives you a capacity to make a true life change in someone. But let's not also not be indifferent to students. I know it's easy to, be, to grow frustrated at what might seem like a lost cause with a casual glance at the campus. I know that uh, traffic and there's like an orange barrel on every road in Tuscaloosa because of construction and UA is in a constant state of building something. We never know what it is, but they're building something, right? And it can be almost frustrating and easy to just be like, man, here, students are coming back. I'm never going to Target again. I'm going to wait two months before I go to Target or, you know, whatever. I'm never driving down to university or 15th and McFarland for a while. And it, it can be easy to do that. 
I felt that tension as a Tuscaloosa resident now, being here for a couple of years. But let's not be indifferent to students. But let's realize that we have an amazing opportunity to make an investment in the lives of students. But not because of anything good in ourselves, not because of any of our own abilities, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul gives us some great encouragement here in Galatians 6 9. Galatians 6 9 says this Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. For in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So don't give up on students. They can be frustrating sometimes, but the Lord is working in their lives in profound ways. And I want to challenge you to be a part of that. But here's the main, main question for you today. It's who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Who are you helping build the foundation for their future? Not, just, not even just the future for the next 60 years, but for the next 10 billion years. Who are you helping build a foundation for their eternity? And are you trusting the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you relying on his power and guidance for ministry? Or are you honestly just kind of comfortable in your life? Are you comfortable just kind of coasting through the nine to five of your day and just kind of meeting the status quo? I want to ask you the question, at the end of your life, will you be able to look back and see people that by God's grace, you were able to have a significant impact on? What, what legacy will you leave in this life? Whether you choose to invest in college students or whether you choose to invest in another group, I want to challenge you to make sure you're making an investment in someone for eternity because it's an investment that you'll never regret making. Uh, I know that people get into all kinds of hobbies and they sometimes decide, you know, oh, I, I spent you know, two years really into biking. I spent two years really into running. And they're like, well, I spent thousands of dollars on investing in cool running shoes and that kind of thing. And they regret, you know, later on, oh, I probably shouldn't have spent that money on that investment. But investing in the lives of people, investing in the lives of college students, it's an investment that you will never regret making because it has an impact for eternity. So with all that said, I want to give you a few practical ways that you can serve the campus as a member of uh, Alberta and also just as an individual in our community. So I gave you four things. First off is this. I want, you, I want to encourage you to welcome students. Okay, welcome students. So talk to them. Get, get to know them when you see them around town. When they're here, introduce them to others at our church, including other college students. Uh, even as you encounter them around town, don't be afraid to engage them in conversation. If you go to Target right now, there's plenty of them there to talk to. Um, but like I said, don't be indifferent. Uh, don't be intimidated. Uh, welcome them and embrace them being here. We, I hope you've heard by now we have too many opportunities to make a difference in their lives to waste that opportunity. So make students feel welcome. But the second thing is this, pray for them. I believe that prayer works and I believe that prayer is a big deal. And so I wanna encourage you to, as an individual, pray for the campus of the University of Alabama. Pray for Shelton State, pray for Stillman, pray for our church's college ministry, pray for me. Pray for specific students that you know, but pray for what God is doing in Tuscaloosa in the lives of college students. But even more specifically than that, I want to invite you to pray today. Uh, this afternoon at five o'clock, we're going to be meeting here in the cafe and we're going to actually go and we're going to prayer walk the campus of the University of Alabama. And you may hear prayer walking and you may not know what that is. What's well, simple, you pray and you walk. And, but there's a little more detail to that. But basically what prayer walking is, is you pair up with either one or two more people and you take some time and you pray over a specific area. And as you pray, you basically pray over things that you see. You pray over people that you see. If there's something that the Lord's laying on your heart, you begin to pray for that. You can pray out loud. You can pray silently. You can have one person in the group pray. You can stop and pray at specific areas. You can even stop people or, or talk to people as you walk by them and be like, hey, we're, we're here praying for the campus. We'd like to pray for you. Is there any way we can pray for you? But today at five o'clock, we're going to meet in the cafe 
I'll give you a few quick directions on some prayer walking on campus. I have some maps to give you some guidance. I have some prayer um, kind of focuses for you. And then we're going to carpool over to the campus, and we're going to spend about an hour just walking around campus and praying for God to do big things in the lives of UA students this year. And so far I checked, and the weather should be good for that time. And so if for some reason it does rain, we'll have some different plans, and we may just stay in the cafe and pray. Or, hey, if you want to walk and prayer walk with an umbrella, we can prayer walk with an umbrella too. I'm not, I'm not scared of that. But, but I want to encourage you to pray, and I want to encourage you to come join us this afternoon at 5 o'clock in the cafe to go prayer walk the campus. But the third thing is this. I want to encourage you to connect with students. Uh, we're always looking for more families to be a part of with our student adoption program. If you'd like to be a, a home away from home for an out-of-town college student, like you heard, we've got 52% of our students at UA who are not from places near here. Many of them are from a long way away from home. And I would love to get you connected with a student who's not from here, that you can be kind of a family for them away from home and really have a significant impact in their life and be, be a mentor to them. But even if you don't want to be a part of our Adoption program. We've got other ways for you to mentor students. And today at 12.15 or whenever I finish up this sermon and we get done, um, down in the cafe, uh, right, right, probably around 12.15, we're going to start our college connection, which is going to be a lunch. I will feed you lunch today. And we're going to spend about an hour sitting down there in the cafe talking about even more specifically how we can minister to college students. What are, what are some of the life factors that college students are going through during this time? And how can we provide biblical wisdom and biblical guidance for them? And I also will give you even some more tangible ways to connect with college students. So if you would like to learn more about even specifically how you can minister to college students, I want to encourage you to come and join us in the cafe today at 1215. That's also in your bulletin, but I'd love to have you. I have extra food, so don't worry. And last thing is this, I want to encourage you to serve students. Uh, you, can ser- you can serve students by helping move in. We did move in this past Friday. If you want to help move in this coming Friday or Saturday, I'd love to have you do that. Come talk to me after service or you can call the church office. It's a great way to connect and meet with students. But even more than that, I'm always looking for, uh, for volunteers, which I don't like that word because it sounds like, you know, we're just bringing you in just to do something and leave. But I'm looking for people to really help walk online college students and really walk alongside them and invest um, their time with them. So if you're looking to maybe help cook a meal for a student or host uh, an event for students in your house or maybe even uh, help out at a retreat that we usually do in October, I would love to have you be part of our college ministry. I'd love to have you be a part of what we're doing in investing in college students. But with all that said, I want to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity today to do this. And I love what I do. I love what God has called me to do. And I am very excited for this college semester. And I hope you are too. And I hope that maybe you've seen today a way that you can play a significant role in investing in the lives of students in Tuscaloosa. But with all that said, as we begin to close, maybe today you need prayer about something. And maybe in all this talk about investing and maybe all this talk about building a foundation for the future, uh, you realize that maybe you need to make some change in your life and maybe um, make some things right and begin to invest your lives into someone. Now, maybe you realize that you're not building your life on the proper foundation. Uh, maybe you realize that you're building your life on temporary things and that today you need to have a foundation reset and to reset your life uh, onto Christ. Um, maybe you realize that today you need to surrender your life to Christ and repent of your sin and be forgiven. Uh, Whatever it is, if you need someone to talk to or someone to pray with, I'm going to be down here at the front for just a minute while we sing one last song, and then we'll begin to conclude our service from there. And so I'm going to invite you to stand with us, and I'm going to invite the the praise team to come back up, and I'm going to pray for us, and we'll take this time to sing, and I'll be down here at the front. I'd love to pray with you or talk to you about anything, and, and we'll go from there. So let's pray together.